All right, all right. Welcome. Go ahead and take a seat. This is great. Awesome. No, Jaleel, I can't. I'm not going to do that. Oh, God. Come on. Hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the love. As many of you probably know me, my name is Temi Akbaje. I'm on staff with Saw Company. Come on. Um, um, some quick facts about me that some of you may know. Um, I was originally born in Nigeria, as you see the you know, shirt right here. Yeah, that's right. Come on, make it live. I don't know. Um, and my wife and I actually recently moved here to the cities in June. So, yeah, love being here, and we're glad to, we're just honored to be a part of what God is doing here um, in the cities. And so, with that being said, um, tonight's passage will be on Philippians 3, verses 12 through 21. And so if you want, you can go ahead and open up to that. But before we get into the passage, I have a question for you guys. Was there ever a moment or was there ever a time where you did something, you were so confident that something was going to be super easy, but it turned out to actually be super hard? Like planks? Anyone? Anyone share that with me? No? Just me? All right. Well, um, my wife and I were hanging out with our friends Jared and Trisha. I don't know how I got brought up, but we were talking about planks. And I kid you not, guys, I was so confident that I could do planks. They said I said seven minutes. I swear I said five minutes. Doesn't matter. I was confident that I could do that. And so I was challenged by Trisha to do it. The crazy thing about this, guys, is I, I expected opposition from Jared and Trisha. I did not expect it from my wife. I thought she was going to hype me up. Honestly, you know, sometimes it'd be your own people. Um, and so I'm doing, you know, I'm doing these. We, she's explaining how we're going to do these planks. I'm honestly not paying attention because I'm thinking about my winning speech. Like, am I going to rub this in their faces after we're done? Like, ha-ha, I was right, you were wrong. And so we start, and she's, what she's explaining to me is we're going to do, you know, front planks, side planks. Every 30 seconds, we're going to rotate. And so finally, she's like, are you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. And so we start, and I'm in my front plank. 30 seconds in, she rotates. I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And she's like, you're supposed to rotate. I'm like, too late. I'm already comfortable here. I'm going to win anyway, so it doesn't matter. We could, and then the sad thing is, guys, a minute in, I realized I had made a terrible mistake. And it wasn't until, I think, two minutes that I just dropped. And the worst part about this is they wouldn't let me give up, which is, you know, great. You want friends who are going to push you. But at this point, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm wrong. Let me just be wrong and you guys be right. But they wanted me to keep going. The reason I share this story with you guys is because there's some similarities with my story and Christianity, which is kind of weird. But here we go. The reason why there's some similarities is because becoming a Christian is relatively easy. Like, we don't do any of the work Jesus does. Jesus pursues us, and in, in when we finally decide to stop running and enter into a relationship with him is when our lives are changed. However, being a Christian is really hard, and that is essentially what we're going to kind of talk about tonight. And so some things happen when you become a Christian. Your life is radically changed. Your goals go from pursuing to build your own kingdom to building his kingdom. 
you, instead of just having these ambitions and goals for all these different things, you are focused on pursuing Jesus. And essentially, your goal goes from multiple things to just one thing, and that is pursuing Jesus. And so the big idea tonight, guys, is that the goal of life is to pursue Christ. And so as we, you know, we open up to Philippians 3, 12 through 21, I want to just take the moment to say this. As we go through this passage, there may be a heaviness that comes. I know I felt it, and I know you guys may feel it. And what I ask you guys to do is to lay any guilt or shame that you feel from this passage at the feet of Jesus. Because Paul, what Paul's trying to do is he's trying to encourage you. He's trying to encourage you to press on towards Christ despite the trials and tribulations you will face in life. And in fact, our first point tonight, guys, is pressing on. And we will be reading verses 12 through 17 for this point. Now that I have already obtained this, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example in us. So if you guys notice, as we were reading through that, Paul uses this phrase, I press on. And he's doing that to communicate that when it comes to loving and pursuing Jesus with his life, he is serious about it. In the Greek, we can also see that the, it's translated to, to force or to pound in. And that is to communicate that Paul was willing to give up everything to pursue Jesus. To press on also communicates that Paul has and will experience opposition as he pursues Jesus. There will be hard things that will come that will make following Jesus even harder, yet he continues to press on. Paul also communicates something else here, that he can't do it on his own. In verse 12, we see it. He says the only reason he's able to pursue Christ is because Christ has a hold of him. Christ has grabbed him. This is huge because of Paul's past. Paul, according to his past, let's say Paul was still in his past, the Jewish religious leaders of that time would have said, Paul is a Christian based on his accolades of things that we looked at last week. He was the most religious person, yet Paul acknowledges that it wasn't his religion that made him a Christian. It was Jesus. And so, guys, what Paul's past communicated that in this religious community is if you did X, Y, and Z, you were a Christian. And that communicated a sense of entitlement. It communicated that if I do this, I deserve God's love. Instead of the fact that by the grace and love 
of God sending his son, Jesus, we don't deserve God's love, but he gives it to us freely. And so Paul is making it clear to the church in Philippi that this is what it looks like to press on for those who truly love Jesus. And bear with me because I did not put these points up, but I'll try to be clear about what these points are. So the first one that he makes clear is your focus is not on anything else but Jesus. And I want to be clear of what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that you can't have goals, dreams, ambitions. You can have those things, but those things should not be what drive your life if you love Jesus. Your goal of life is to make much of Jesus and not much of yourself. So in your schooling, in your job, in your relationships, in some of the sports you guys play, you are to make much of Jesus and not of yourself. The second one is a life that has truly been transformed by Jesus is one that is willing to live radically for him and leave the old life behind. What I am not saying is that you've got to go do some, something crazy like go to some third world country where there's no electricity, drinking waters. You know, I'm not saying you have to do that. However, God could be calling some of you to do that and praise God if he is. We need people who are willing to go to the end of the earth to share the gospel. But what I am saying is that when it comes to making decisions, you are considering what God may be asking you to do with your life. Because you love him and are willing to do what he's called you to do regardless of the cost. Which means we're all called to share the gospel. And God may be calling you to share the gospel with that classmate, with that teammate, with that family member. He may be asking you to do something else that's super hard. Which may mean breaking up with that person who truthfully is not a Christian but they may seem like a good person or a great religious person, but they're simply just not a Christian. That may mean getting rid of distractions like social media because it is either causing you to sin or distracting you from being present around the people who God has called you to be a part of. All those things are there to push us to what is called holiness. God has called us to holiness. And that what that means, the way to think of that is to be set apart from the rest of the world. You will look weird. Christianity's not cool, guys. It's very hard. You will, people will look at you different, but it is worth it. You are not able to love and live for Jesus. This is the third one. You're not able to love and live for Jesus on your own. Some of you guys might be already feeling this like, my goodness, I'm supposed to pursue Jesus like this. I can't do this. That's the point. You can't do it on your own. In fact, the fact that you're able to do it at all is because Christ has pursued you. And it's how Paul was able to even say, I press on. It's not because he was like, oh, I'm doing all these things. No, it's because of he knew the intense love that Christ had for him. The fourth thing that I have here is community. This one's pretty straightforward, but you're not able to do this on your own. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. 
You need your brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to point out to the blind spots that you are allowing darkness and evil and sin to take a hold of you. You need your brothers and sisters in Christ during the hard times to be able to come beside you and help you walk when your legs can no longer walk. Paul is simply reminding us of our first love. And if we claim to love Jesus, we must take our faith seriously. Here's the thing, here's the other thing about the, the things that Paul has said to us. They're not optional. Living the Christian life is not an optional thing for those who love Christ. It is the thing. Pursuing Christ does not turn to void and allows us to go through trials and tribulations. Guys, I want to share a story of this guy named John Chow. None of, maybe some of you guys know who this guy is. I kind of knew about him a little bit, but crazy story. A guy who had been radically changed by Jesus wanted to live his life for him so much that he was willing to do what I had mentioned that, that God may not be calling all of you to do, but go to a place where the gospel has yet to, really civilization has yet to even reach. Um, and I'm going to share, it's going to be, I think, up there, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to share a little excerpt from the article about John Chow. On November 15th, 2018, John made his first contact with the Sendalese. Later that day, a Sendalese boy shot an arrow at John that lodged in the Bible he was holding. John retreated and prayed for wisdom. Should he keep going? Should he turn back? God, I don't want to die. John wrote in his journal that evening, who will take my place if I do? Forgive the boy who shot me and any of the people on this island who try to kill me, and especially forgive them if they succeed. On, November 7th, on the morning of November 17th, the fisherman who had dropped John off saw the tribesmen bearing John's body on the beach. I believe the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. John said shortly before his death, I want my life to reflect obedience to Christ and to live in obedience to him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He is worth everything. Guys, John didn't have to do this. But his relationship, his love of God was so real that he wanted other people to experience that it cost him his death. Guys, sorry. That, that was hard for me to read. Because I fall short of this. Um, but as we see, Paul has called us to press on despite the trials, the tribulations, the cost that comes. By the way, Paul is not doing this out of a, I've got to do this. He's doing this out of an intense love for God. He's doing this with joy. Despite his suffering. And so the question that I think we need to ask ourselves this evening is that if we believe the gospel and that God is real, shouldn't our lives reflect that? Now, some of you at this moment may be feeling, maybe like, yo, Temi, first of all, calm the heck down. I hear you. You're right. But I'm not quite there yet. 
Like, I, I'm not quite ready to lay my life down for Jesus. I don't know if I can do that, truthfully. I just want to tell you guys, same. I struggle with that, too. But by the and that's exactly where you're supposed to be, actually. You're weak. You're realizing you're weak. You can't do it. And that's exactly where you're supposed to be because in our weakness, God gives us strength. It's not in our strength. There's no such thing as being a strong Christian. We're all weak. And so allow God to give you the strength to continue. Guys, here's the other great thing about this, right? His love is not dependent on you. He's been pursuing you since the day you were born. He loves you and has been just continually, regardless of what you have done, he continually pursues you. And as a result, you, for those of you who love God, have been able to continue to pursue him because of his first love for you. And through the Holy Spirit, God is able to do the impossible in you and through you. You have to first acknowledge that you are weak and allow him to make you strong. In our weakness, he gives us the strength to do some crazy things. So which means despite the breakups you will experience, the mental health struggles that you experience, the family drama or broken families that you come from, the death, sin, and destruction in our lives, we are able to press on because of Christ's strength and love for us, not our own. With that being said, knowing and pursuing Jesus is full of tears. It's not easy, guys. And that takes me to our next point, mourning the loss and looking forward to the future. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 21 for this. For many of whom I have often told you, now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him to even subject all things to himself. So let's first take a uh, look at verse 18, where he says, For many of whom I have often told you, I now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Guys, Paul, there's no, like, it's not an accident that Paul included the fact that he was weeping and saddened by the fact that there are people who aren't pursuing Jesus. Notice what he's not doing. He's not passing judgment, condemnation on those who are not following Jesus. Now, what I am not saying is that those who are following Jesus or who are not following Jesus are like scot-free. What I'm saying is his heart for them, for him to be weeping about them not pursuing Christ, means that he has an immense love for them. He mourns them because he knows about their brokenness. As we see, he sees that their end is destruction, guys. 
For those of you pressing on towards Christ, you will experience pain and sadness from those who are far from God. And this is what it would look like. You may have friends or know people who were once following Jesus, no longer following Jesus. You may have friends who want nothing to do with Jesus. And the third one, you may have friends who want nothing to do with Jesus and don't want you to have anything to do with Jesus. Guys, Paul makes it clear the reason for those who are far from God. And he uses really weird language. And he says, their God is their stomach and their glory is their shame. What he's trying to communicate here, guys, is that they have decided to be controlled by their own desires. Which Paul makes clear is destruction. It leads to destruction. And so what this looks like in our lives is people want more money to get more stuff. People want their sexual desires satisfied. And people want to be able to have power to control things and people. Now, I want to make something clear here. Power, sex, and money in themselves are not bad things and have been used to build the kingdom of God. But when they become the focus, that is when we get destruction. And so, guys... Our love for Jesus, like mentioned before, comes from his deep love for us. And as a result of this relationship, our desire to live for the world around us dies. And our desire to live for him grows. The desire comes from a longing and a true belief of a coming hope. And we're going to look at verses 20 through 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Guys, Paul's, Paul's communicating something super exciting for those who love God. No more suffering, joy beyond comprehension, new bodies, death kicks rocks, and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The future is what motivated Paul to live in the present for Jesus, and it's what should motivate us. So, guys, I'm going to call the band up. And as they come up, I want to just remind you guys, we live in a sinful, broken world. And that reality affects us every single day. There's sin and destruction everywhere. You guys aren't blind to it. You see it everywhere. You see it on your campuses. You see it on, your news, on the news. And you see it just all around you. But here's the great thing. There's also good and light in this world. Why? Not because the world is good and light, but because God is here with us. And so what does that mean? It means that not only do we have a distant hope to look forward to, but we have a hope now, a living hope. And that hope says that death, sin, and destruction are no longer the end of our stories. They do not have to be the end. That hope can be found in Jesus and only in him, not in religion, 
not in your relationships, not in your jobs, not in your schooling, only in Jesus, not in the temporary things of this world. Because they will disappear, guys. When you're dead, those things will disappear. But something won't. If you put your, if you give your life to Jesus, your eternity will not disappear. Death is not the end. An eternity with your loving Father, King Jesus. And so, guys, Paul was able to look at the future and live in the present because he knew the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was now is what we now have and is a living hope that gives us the strength to live today and get us to tomorrow. The future and the end that goal, end goal that Paul was focused on was being in heaven with King Jesus. If you're here tonight and you're struggling through life, know this, that those who press on towards Christ will be given the strength to get through trials and tribulations. You will also find joy you will find peace, you will find comfort, you will find life. King Jesus has won the war and he can give you the strength to win your battles. Despite your past or present, know that Jesus has given you the opportunity to come to him and allow him to radically change your life. Will you let him? Let's go ahead and pray. Dearly Father, There's so many things you didn't have to do. You didn't have to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for us, but you did. You didn't have to create an opportunity for us to have a life-giving relationship with you, but you did. And so, Father, I just pray that we live in that reality. You do exist. You are real. Father, and you love us so much. Father, I pray that these words that were spoken from your word do not turn void. I pray we use these words to remind us of the living hope that we have and the distant hope that we have, Father, if we just continue to pursue you. You give us the strength to do so. Father, I want to pray all of this in your mighty name.